0: Yes.
1: Awesome. Hi. I love it.
0: Take your headphones off so we can properly. Oh yeah, you haven't seen it yet. You look so fucking cool, fuzz. You look like the punk version of a bird of paradise. How are you? Sorry, I'm late. Um, I cut my lawn with shears because I didn't want to mash up all the dandelions and kill the bees' food. So.
1: No, I'm good. I'm just like I. I really, really, really want to be alone in my house for an entire day and that can't yeah. happen
0: and I'm... I'm yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm twitching. I'm kind of oscillating between being really quite happy and calm. Like, Have you seen the article that's been going around um, some people's anxiety and depression as being alleviated by this whole thing? I only skim read it. I definitely relate to it, but then it's kind of going alongside my general... I'm so used to having so much time alone
1: yeah no I know I, I I miss my job because I can be alone in the kitchen I mean I can be alone in the kitchen here but that here I'm feeling slightly put upon making dinner seven nights a week
0: yeah there is doing... that three at the moment with me and it's, it's very you're better at making proper food for yourself I must say because just I'm kind of used to again this coincides with Jack now coming home every evening so I'm yeah. used to three nights a week just cooking for myself and what that means is generally oven chips and gravy or similar
1: level of effort. Now I'm which cooking th- an actual meal of three people every night. <laughs> well, which is the thing. Ben wouldn't mind if I just cook stuff like that but I, I feel like as I'm in the house and have ingredients I should make real food. Yeah. I'm used to a couple of evenings to myself a week where I can have like mushrooms on toast or <laughs> just a massive plate of veg. Yeah. But now I'm having to cook something that both of us like every evening. Wow, your thing's way healthier than my thing. <laughs> Only because I try not to have oven <laughs> chips in the house, because if they're in the house, I eat all of the oven chips.
0: Oh, 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 though. Oh, I forgot that Jack got me a cheese making kit for Christmas that I'd kind of put somewhere sensible. And I just found ooh. it this morning, which means I'm going to make cheese curds and have actual food
1: Wicked. Yeah.
0: I'm
1: I can do forgetting. that this weekend. We've got some cheese making stuff. I might make some labne or some ricotta. Yeah, ricotta Ooh. looked
0: like the easy one, so I thought I'd start with some ricotta. Ricotta's easy. Try and make mozzarella, and it's the kind of curds that you get from that.
1: Yeah. That you make um, thingy out of, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, technically we use cheddar curds, but you can use any kind of curds. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to probably make some butter at some point, because I have a little bit... Well, I was I overwhipped some cream the other day and ended up with butter, but I'd already sweetened it and added flavours. Jesus, it was not how angry kind of... were you? I was using my mixer. I just took okay, my eye right. off
0: her for a <laughs> Like, how do you I
1: left the whip room. <laughs> I left the room. Don't leave the room while you're whipping cream <laughs> if you're using a stand mixer. Uh,
0: I always, uh, I always whip stuff, meringue, cream, whatever. Because I'm like, no, I need it perfect. I need it. What the hell are stiff peaks anyway? Are these stiff? Then, well, are fucking, not now, are they? That's way, that's way I've got. God damn it.
1: This is what happened with me. So, but as I've got some double cream left over, I'm gonna intentionally do that instead and try making my own butter. Mm. Excellent. I might go. I might go forage some more wild garlic and add it to it. <laughs> You're so posh. I am really fucking middle class. But, al- my-
0: but also in a in a in a less wanky way, we're all getting back to the foraging, and we're in a national crisis, and you can frame it like that. Jam and pickles and yeah, exchange. I might finally try and eat some dandelions this year.
1: Mm, I've been thinking. I've been thinking about picking some nettles, but. I just I know,
0: mashed a bunch today with my shears because they were in the way of my rosemary, but next time
1: I'm going to try it when I've got some more sugar making queen aman next week, which I'm very excited What's about. That? Uh, the like paste, or you can do like one big one is a queen Amman. Technically, the little ones are queenettes. I'm going to make the little ones, and like imagine a caramelized croissant. Yeah. So it's like a croissant that's really soaked in sugar and kind of burnt caramel on the bottom. Oh, buttery oh, like a- and flaky and sugary it's one of those things I've wanted to learn how to make but you have to like be in the house all day because you've got to play with the pastry every half hour so I've never done it that sounds like something that would belong in the garden of uh, what's it garden Garden of of earthly delights
0: Delights. earthly delights there we go Locust. this is my um, wilderness I've forgotten what you were calling it already oh yes did you manage to find a rhyming word in the end Oh, God, I completely forgot about that. I was uh, untangling that clump of jewellery. Yeah, I forgot as well. I've just opened the rhyming dictionary. Uh, <laughs> what page on, was where, it again? Uh, I want to say one, two, six. All right, so if you want to read it out and I'll, I'll see if I can finish it with a good word.
1: Uh, a summer palace underneath the bow, a flask of wine, a loaf of bread, some lamb couscous with courgettes, roast peacock cooked tongues, kebabs, ice sherbet, selection of sweets from the trolley and choice of thou. Singing beside me in the wilderness and the wilderness is eyebrow <laughs> beautiful i can't top that i'm, I'm going to call <laughs> you the winner which is based on an it's based on a actual poem by uh... fitzgerald actually eh, a close translation enough. of the rubaiyat
0: of omar khayyam uh, the poem parodied on this page goes a book of verses underneath the bowl a jug of wine a loaf of bread and thou that sounds quite familiar
1: yeah, possibly. I should know that. I'm a poet.
0: Cool, cool, cool. So, right. What's, uh... Oh, shit. Sorry.
1: <laughs> it's all right. It's taking me a second to become a functioning person. I've just been writing show notes and untangling jewellery. I'm drinking so much
0: coffee. Dad and I just spur each other on. It's getting really quite alarming.
1: I'm quite lucky in that Ben's not a coffee drinker, so he, there's very little I'm making a cuppa, do you want one? I think I'm probably drinking less coffee than when I'm at work because I don't have the kids making it for me.
0: Oh yeah. See, other way around for me, at work I have to like walk past other people to go and get the coffee, and if I drink ten a day people might talk. I'm sure yeah. they wouldn't. The, the general rule is people do not think about you nearly as
1: much as you think they do, but no, everyone is obsessed with me all of the time. What are you talking well, yeah, about? Not I you, think?
0: Joanna, not you, obviously. Yeah. You specifically, Jesus everyone Fancy. is always thinking about, but you know, you obviously. in general. The general, general. Yeah. It's like the royal wee, but the opposite.
1: General you? <laughs> Sorry. I Things in quarantine haven't got so bad. I actually rewatched How I Met Your Mother yet, but. Well, there's 30 seasons of
0: The Simpsons to get through first.
1: And I'm rewatching Shits
0: Creek. You were right about binging The Simpsons, by the way. I can't do more than three episodes before I just realise I'm just looking at my phone now.
1: It's quite a good like background noise thing to have on yeah. because it doesn't require a lot of focus. That's but also, it. like, if you do actually pay attention to it while you're binge watching it, you realise that like, Marge and Homer almost breaking up happens six times a season. So many times, yeah. So many. It's depressing. And Marge keeps taking him
0: back, which upsets me more each time. Yeah, honestly, she deserves oh. better. The Simpsons, wouldn't it be amazing if just one day it ended with Marge finally like, leaving and having a happy life? Yes. And you get like a little epilogue of Bart and Lisa slowly becoming more adjusted as everybody realises staying together for the kids is a terrible idea.
1: Yeah, that would be great.
0: Mm. I mean, obviously it, it would great. actually be very depressing and <laughs> would never be published, but it's nice to think about.
1: <laughs> the Simpsons itself, it, the show is really depressing and dark and violent. Mm.
0: Yeah, I haven't watched anything past season
1: 15 yet. Like, I've just been randomly jumping around
0: to episodes I like the look of. Me. I'm
1: just doing it in order, so I think I'm on, like, season five or six, maybe. Ah, you're getting really good bits. Yes, this is, I, we're almost getting to the peak. We haven't quite hit my two favourite musical numbers outside the monorail song yet. One of the two. Which is uh, See My Vest. Made of real gorilla chest. Gorilla chest. chest. <laughs> See these loafers, authentic golfers, something like that. Um, and the. That <laughs> really looking forward to that one. What's uh, the well, other one? Oh, the Maison, Maison Derrière. Hmm. Help me out. We're the gin in your martini, the clams in your linguine. Yes, we Ooh. put the spring in. Yeah, the burlesque one. Yeah, I
0: see. I skipped that because. Um it would be weird to watch it with dad but I will go back and watch that at some point
1: yeah that's fair I don't really have to worry about watching things with adults there aren't really any in the house <laughs> oh Ben I'm including myself in this <laughs> look Ben had a very lovely 40th birthday making Lego oh
0: fuck happy I made Thursday, a roast ben. dinner and
1: a pavlova I will pass that on his Mother is talking about some organised fun at Thoughtness when this is all over. Which, when uh... this
0: is all over, God, we sound like people in bad World War 2 plays. World War 1, World War 1, the fucking year of four years of Radio 4 home da- front. damn like. war. Yeah. Oh, damn, war. When damn this, war. This is all over. We'll have nylon tights for tea and
1: <laughs> jam and biscuits on our eyebrows. <laughs> Well,
0: I'm going to grab a coffee then. Do you want to make a podcast? Uh,
1: Yeah, let's make a podcast, but I'm going to grab a coffee too. Hello and welcome to The True Shall Make You Fret, a podcast in which we're reading and recapping every book from Terry Pratchett's Discworld series, One at a Time, Spoiler Light, in chronological order. I'm Joanna Hagen-Young. And I'm Francine Carroll. And this is part two of our discussion of sorcery. Uh, Yet
0: again, we are recording remotely because uh, for listeners in the far future, in the aftertimes, capitalized, uh, for a little while we had to do this via Zoom. Because we're on on lockdown. On
1: account of the virus. I like that you're assuming there'll be aftertimes and this isn't our new reality for the rest of our lives.
0: Well, we don't know what the aftertimes will be like exactly, but perhaps we've moved past Zoom and into psychic communications.
1: Oh, that'd be good. We could do like a psychic podcast.
0: Yeah, I just hope that MP3 can be converted to psychic without much loss. Of, yeah, uh, dot PSI. Quality. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. Right, cool. I'm just going to go write this uh, speculative fiction novel. Mm-hmm. So quick note on spoilers. As I said, this is a spoiler light podcast, obviously major spoilers for the book we're on, Sorcery, but we will try to avoid spoiling any major future events in the Discworld series and we're saving any and all discussion of the final book, The Shepherd's Crown, until we get there so you, dear listener, can come on the journey with us. And what a journey it's been,
0: Joanna. That was my daytime TV voice, do you like it? That was amazing. (laughs) Back
1: to you, Joanna. I want to give you your own show on ITV. (laughs) It's a very ITV voice. Uh, quick follow up from last week, uh, we were talking about being bored in lockdown, you were going to make banana bread, I was going to shave my head, I have shaved my head. I have not made banana bread. Well, you've
0: let the side down, Francine. In my defence, the only bananas Tesco had were bright green, and so I'm still oh, waiting yeah. for them to ripen, you want pretty ripe bananas to make your banana bread. So, yeah.
1: Would you like to tell us what happened previously in Sorcery? Certainly.
0: <clears throat> previously on Sorcery. A powerfully paternal wizard has eight sons, cubing wizardry and creating a new source of magic. He then dies, kind of, evading death by squirrelling his soul away in his youngest son's staff. Fast forward ten mysterious years and the unseen university senses something sinister. All of the building's vermin, including Rincewind, skedaddle but our favourite hapless hero finds himself on another damn adventure, this time with a gorgeously violent barbarian hairdresser and a malicious bit of millinery, which gets nicked. Meanwhile, Coyd the Sorcerer moves into the musty maze that is Unseen University and redecorates rather forcefully. Ye gods, he blew Billy us away. Excellent. I'm glad you got your favourite line in there again. Yes, it's probably my last chance, so... I reckon you can still get it into the final episode. We'll see. (laughs) It's the final episode ever of this show. I will remember it. (laughs) I'll make a note. Imagine me remembering something that long.
1: (laughs) Imagine us remembering something into the following week. Uh, Quick check in on helicopter or loincloth watch. I'm calling this a loincloth spot. Mm. Uh, Mm, Debatable. Right. I would rather think of it as a loincloth than a leather holdall being a small pouch for the unmentionables only. Although he is also wearing woolly underwear.
0: Well, yes, that's what I was thinking. I think if anything is going to be the loincloth, it's the woolly underwear.
1: Yes. It's cloth over the loin. Dear listeners, we're on page 138. We are talking about, of course, the traditional barbarian garb of Nigel the Destroyer, son of Harabit the Greengrocer. All right, let. I really need to justify keeping this bit in. So I'm saying that that counts on Loincloth Watch.
0: Okay, cool. Well, I mean, if nothing else, it is a chance to see where a loincloth should have
1: been. Yes, there should definitely have been a loincloth in that section. Okay, any helicopters?
0: Uh, No helicopters in this section. Okay, cool, cool. Actually, I was going to say, if there was going to be one anywhere, it would probably be here, because a slight follow-up, I forgot quite how much they went into detail about the Mage Wars. I mentioned last time, and um, they did have a nice page of description, which I enjoyed very much.
1: It's exactly the right amount of
0: explanation after some build-up, so thank you very much, Pratchett. That's what I meant. Especially as they've been technically hinted at since The Colour of Magic. Mm. Yeah. I do like the idea of just that whole surreal, constantly changing Waking thousands up as a of frog. years of it, they said, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad things have settled down. Yes, it makes it much easier to follow the plot.
1: Although they haven't settled down in this section of the book. No, we got a bit lime custard-y. A little bit around the edges. Oh, lime mm. custard. Yeah, I was trying to work
0: out whether I like the idea of that. I like no. key lime pie.
1: No. Oh, you don't like I lime like, desserts at all? No. I like, lemon, I like lemon tart. I make a very good lemon tart. I bet you do. Darling. <laughs> right, sorry. Should I talk about what happens in this section? <laughs> yeah, I think it better. <laughs> so, in part two of Sorcery, the wizards have redecorated the city and made a snazzy new hat. Plotting to t- they're plotting to take over the rest of the world as Spelter begins to have a few doubts. Spelter attempts to pop into the library and finds the librarian has dug himself in. Rincewind and Corona have made it to Clatch, sans hat. Konina says they should uh, head to the bazaar in the hope of getting introduced to the local criminal element. Coin builds a castle in the clouds out of raw magic and tells them to burn the books. The staff chases Spelter as he tries to warn the librarian. Uh, this is the staff as in Coin's staff and not the staff of the university. Gotcha. Rincewind and Konina have been kidnapped and taken to a mysterious garden. We discover this is, in fact, Creosote's wilderness. One does one's best. The hat has, (laughs) unsurprisingly, made its way here too and enters into negotiations with Abreen, the Grand Vizier. Konina is sent to the harem as Rincewind gets chucked in the snake pit, currently occupied by Nigel the Destroyer and one very tired snake. The luggage, in a sulk, goes for a drink or twenty. Rincewind gets a dose of raw magic before escaping the snake pit with Nigel as the Tower of Sorcery somehow arrives in Al-Khali. The wizards take out the Seraph's guards. Rincewind and Nigel head for the harem as horrible wizards make an attempt on the library. Konina saves Rincewind and Nigel from the harem guards while the luggage wanders, lost and hungover. The hat possesses a bream and we get a brief history of the Mage Wars. The hat plans to fight sorcery with wizardry. Rincewind, Konina and Nigel grab Creosote and get the fuck out of there heading for a magic carpet good stuff action-packed section
0: yeah it is big contrast to the uh to the intro
1: yes everyone has very much taken their places and now all of the action is happening right okay cool so favorite quote Joanna yes I've gone for a silly one good it was really hard to just pick one I like mm. this section there are a lot of good lines and... a lot of really
0: good silly one-liners
1: There's also a lot of horrible dark stuff about the human condition, which is why I thought I'd do something silly up top. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Before we get into all of the horrible dark stuff about the human condition, I'm sure we'll be there by the end of the episode. Uh, So, Conina says, my father always said that it was pointless to undertake a direct attack against an enemy extensively armed with uh, efficient projectile weapons, she said. Rincewind, who knew Cohen's normal method of speech, gave her a look of disbelief. Well, what he actually said, she added, was never enter an ass kicking contest with a porcupine. (laughs) I thought you'd like that.
0: It's a bit reminiscent of the bits in Mort about Princess Kelly's ancestor.
1: Yes, very much so. And I, like, I just think it's good life advice for us all to take with us into the future. Favourite quote, Francine? Uh,
0: this is when the wizards are attempting to burn the library. Bad idea. He lit a match. The darkness blossomed into a ball of sulfurous white light and the librarian dropped on him like the descent of man. Pretty clever, a lovely bit of high action disguised in a slightly rambling sentence. Uh, all of the things I like about Terry Pratchett's
1: violent Ridiculous. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I do love that bit. And the reminder in general that the, the I was about to say the luggage, we know the luggage is vicious, mm. that the librarian is capable of being rather vicious.
0: Yeah, I like the description of when he stops people smoking, just kind of sorrowfully takes the cigarette and eats it. Oh no. Oh no, no. <laughs> oh, he's
1: such a precious orangutan. He is. Right, so characters. Mm. Thought we'd start by checking in with characters we've already met. Okay. And then think about some uh, some new ones we meet today. If uh, we're going to so- do this every time,
0: it's going to end up overrunning. <laughs> the idea <laughs> of the new characters section, Joe, started out a lot shorter than this did. I know, I know, but it <laughs> makes. You sense know, you me. say you know, and then it gets longer every time.
1: <laughs> I will be restrained next week, okay. maybe. Um. But I thought the stuff with Coin in this is interesting because he's built as an antagonist in the first section of the book, only for here you realise he's actually kind of an abused child and he's like sobbing alone with the staff. But also seems to have this belief he is generally changing the world for the better.
0: Kind of some parallels with the petulant tech millionaire teenager types you get in Silicon Valley these days.
1: Yeah, like if Coin had been left to his own devices to grow up a bit more, I think he would have become Elon Musk. Yeah, if this had been written 10 years later, I would have assumed it was a direct comparison to the dot com bunch. There is also just a weird throwaway line of Coin refers to Spelter as an estete, aesthete. Aesthet, oh, yeah. Which uh, I didn't is look brief, that up. A brief chuckle from one or two was as you knew what the word meant. Well, it's like someone who's into aesthetics. Okay. But it's a slang term for a gay person. Oh. <laughs> sort of a, a, a man who, who appreciates arts and I see stats I don't know. Astet or a I'm not sure Aesthet. how you'd say Aesthet. it. Aesthet. Also I really wanna know speaking of aesthetics where Coyne gets his design ideas because he's a ten year old boy who's de- decorating everything with like marble and statuary. I mean the and staff. I'm guessing that's coming more yeah. This is definitely
0: more the staff's choices, but it's just such a choice. It reminds me of um, the Archer episode where Mallory wants the whole office redone in white and holograms and and all of the, uh, sorry, in white and robotics and marble and everything. And then uh, it turns out that Pam and Cheryl just redid it exactly as it was before and put a hologram over the top.
1: Remember that one? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Perfect.
0: So a coin is Mallory Archer. is my hot take on this.
1: Yeah, no, okay, I can see that. We can go with that.
0: <laughs> That's very um, forgiving of you because there is literally no other comparison I can make apart from the aesthetic.
1: <laughs> and being nice.
0: Much obliged.
1: Although I like the mental image of Coin drinking a martini. So Spelter and Carding, we're starting to uh, see Spelter getting some seeds of doubt in there as Carding is sort of determinantly being all in on this.
0: Yeah, it makes me wonder what is it about Spelter's personality that makes him... The, the reluctant one by the looks of it
1: there's a really nice little passage um, in the heart of his heart that inner spelter had woken and was struggling to make himself heard it was a spelter who suddenly longed for those quiet days only hours ago when magic was gentle and shuffled around the place in old slippers and always had time for a sherry and wasn't like a hot sword in the brain and above all didn't kill people
0: that's the thing like I like that passage very much but it doesn't seem to match up with the initial description of spelter who was the ambitious, murderous middle of the mage levels. Yeah.
1: See, I, if, I, if I was writing this, I'm not saying I could write this better, obviously, but uh, <laughs> I would have thought it would make more sense for Carding to be the one who's missing the old way of doing things and the ambitious one to be sticking it with it more. Yeah. But it's almost like Carding's already been through all the things he had to do to get to eighth level. So he's possibly. Maybe he was like, I've reached the
0: top. Where is there to go now? Ooh, I see.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's almost like if any of the other wizards are taking a bit more time to be introspective, they've gone to the same conclusion. And they're almost putting on blinkers and earmuffs so they can keep going with coin and his idea of sorcery and not think too deeply about the fact that really they all miss their pipes and slippers somewhat.
0: Possibly it's the fact that uh, Spelter is quite sharp and in the moment. Mm. that kind of makes him slightly more immune to it all yeah um you've written Rince
1: when gets a bit you kip i was joking i don't mean he. i can't remember you. which <laughs> where is this um is when they are in alkali
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um the architecture was wrong, and they had statues in their temples that just weren't suitable. This uh, wasn't the right kind of place for wizards. They had some local grown alternative enchanters, but not what you call decent magic. Yeah, is Princeman is very grumpy about being in a different city, and it's not as good as ankh Pork.
0: Yeah, he does have this kind of low key nationalism about ankh Pork that you see in like um, a lot of the books. Actually, when he wants to go back and eat the terrible, I want the terrible food and the terrible smells. And the <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you get it nice. in like. In the colour of Magic and Light Fantastic, he gets very, very homesick and it's mm. quite sweet.
0: Poor Rincewind. And mm. indeed, as you've also noted, his craving for boredom, which just.
1: Yes, when he meets Nigel the Destroyer and finds out that Nigel has has a background in being a grocer. Oh, so tell me less like. Oh, what let's let's leg. <laughs> oh, oh, oh I, Dull.
0: I bet you could spend ages with a label gun. Ooh. So that was Rincewind's little check
1: in. The luggage. The luggage.
0: Gets Speaking a little of crush on Konina.
1: <laughs> ha, ha, ha. I get that, that whole thing again. <laughs> Thank you. There's a nice brief explanation um, when Rincewind is trying to work out what's going on with the luggage and realizes that it has a bit of a mental link with its owner. Mm. So as he's picked up a bit of a crush on Konina, so is the luggage.
0: Yeah, that's quite interesting. I'm not sure, I can't remember how much that's
1: explored later on, can you? Um, apart from sh- the luggage getting very upset when Conina kicks it, and obviously that leads to him storming off and getting drunk, mm. um, I don't think it's, I think the mental link gets explored a bit later in the book, because obviously the luggage eventually tracks Rincewind down again. And...
0: Yeah, No, I was trying to think of like just future books. Um
1: won't go into it now
0: much, but it's something to look out for in the future anyway, whether he keeps that trait. Yes.
1: Uh, but I also like that in that um, passage you were talking about the history of the Mage walls. we get that that's the origins of Sapient Pairwood. Yeah. There's nice things come full circle. The only stuff I was going to say about the librarian we've already talked about in your quote.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: No, no, that's fine. Save me a job. So on to new characters we meet uh
0: creosote is yeah, As, a type. of Is it like a type of tarmac? I meant to look that up and didn't.
1: It's made of. I was looking up because it's referencing creosote, so I looked that up. Mm. uh cre- Creosote itself. I, I think it's something to do with pine and wood and. uh Let's have a look.
0: Oh, creosote! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, you you paint it on fences and shit to make it weatherproof, and it's horrible and toxic and smells forever. Jack tell me about it. Yeah,
1: cool, cool. <laughs> but it's obviously a reference to Croesus, who, uh, sorry, he was the king of Lydia, and according to Herodotus's histories, reigned for around fourteen years. Of Lydia uh, defeated, yes. Which when, would when now be five nine five BC. Okay. Uh, so that would now be part of Turkey. I want to say.
0: Oh, that makes sense. They're using a lot of Turkish-derived words through here.
1: Yeah, I had some more notes on that later on. Um, In fact... Speaking as somebody
0: who tried to learn Turkish for almost three months.
1: I'll get back to (laughs) it. But uh, Croesus is like almost a mythical figure. He almost even became mythical in his own lifetime for basically being really, really rich ah
0: now which was the king who
1: in myth
0: or fairy tale or whatever it was who did turn stuff to gold because that's not the same Midas Midas the Midas touch that's it yeah
1: yes turned everything to gold a story I remember learning for the first time through an episode of the raccoons what's that you've never seen the raccoons I've, I haven't what is it it is a very very weird old cartoon about raccoons that has about raccoons but the villains in it are these like weird pink blobby teacher creatures with funny noses
0: oh shit oh i have watched yeah, those that. ones yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh
1: i goodness. will link to this cartoon if i can find the midas one i'll yeah. link to it in the show notes anyway hmm, hmm. moving on uh so yes yeah, so we also meet grand vizier abrim mm-hmm. um who's described as that man has got grand vizier written all over him no one can tell him anything about defrauding widows and imprisoning impressionable young men in alleged jeweled caves when it came to dirty work he probably wrote the book or more probably stole it from someone else he wore a turban with a pointy hat sticking out of it and had a long (laughs) thin moustache
0: i feel like he's gone so far with the caricature now that it's no longer offensive do you
1: agree yeah no i'm very with like where he's he's gone
0: to the other side of the line of he's not just doing the thing now he's parodying the thing
1: Yes, he is very much parodying the thing. And I like the fact that this incredibly intelligent, villainous Grand Vizier gets his brain taken over by the hat like immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, he gets just long enough to show just how villainous and complicated a good character he is. And now
1: he's just a slight jawed hat vessel. Yep. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so I enjoy the introduction to the Grand Vizier because yeah, I think he's, he's got, gone far enough into parody at this point rather than just doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other new character we meet is Nigel the Destroyer, who we've already mentioned, mm-hmm. who uh, I have I have a little soft spot for, because bless him, he's trying his best.
0: Yeah, he's very sweet.
1: Um, so oh, yeah. there's
0: two more characters to catch up with, isn't there? Uh... Yes.
1: Sorry, I did this in a funny order. Oh, sorry. Conina. Yep. I'm not going full purple post it. I think I said most of my piece last week, but... When she gets taken away to the harem and Rincewind's trying to defend her, and she's just like, oh, all right, I wonder what a harem looks like. There's definitely hints of the whole cool girl trope around it. That...
0: Yeah, I didn't get that. I was, I was getting more a vibe of, oh, no, I can basically just be vaguely interested in whatever I want, because if it goes wrong, I will kill everybody with my hair clip. Very true, but there is... I was getting more of a Granny Weatherwax vibe than a cool girl vibe.
1: Ah, see, I was getting very... No, I'm down with being in Harim. I'm down with whatever, because I am very cool and men like me. But it may be that I have, like, a bias against the character, because I still think it's not a particularly well-written female character, so I'm looking for things to complain about.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I... Um.
1: I did start looking at things from TV tropes about uh, cool girl tropes and oh, action yeah. girl tropes, but then uh, I realised I was going down a rabbit hole. I did not have time to go down. <laughs> we'll um, uh, come back to that another day. But we do like it. Yes, in the hat, uh, We don't really spend a lot of time with. We spend enough time with him for him to enter negotiations with a bream, end up on his head, take him over, and uh, become an antagonist himself as the. Action shifts to being about wizards versus sorcery as opposed to sorcery versus the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because he's an antagonist to our little protagonists, but possibly a protagonist overall, because I think we're not meant to be on sorcery's side here.
1: Yeah, we sort of. It's all a bit is complex. A... It's all very complex. It's nice. There's no clear hero or villain. I mean, I suppose Rincewind's our clear hero.
0: Yeah. Bless oh, no, N-
1: Nigel, Nigel, he's got the sword, Joe.
0: Oh, yes. And, we, the leather. And, he did,
1: and he did practice that triple reversal oh, orc shit. thrust. Location wise, we're obviously spending pretty much all the action in Clutch in Al Kali which is Fabulous-y. fun uh, Ali yeah, Wow. Well, <laughs> this, this did kind of make me want to rewatch Aladdin. Not the new live action one. I haven't seen that yet. It looked bad. I haven't watched
0: any of the live action Disney actually.
1: I've seen Beauty and the Beast and I really liked that because I like it. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. And there's a like new song in it that may as well have for your consideration flashing up on the screen because only orig- original songs can be nominated for Oscars. Oh I it's see. Not a good song. <laughs> Did it get it's one like, pe- No, God no. It wasn't that good. Uh, yeah, so where are we? We are talking about Clutch, which I'm assuming we're taking inspiration from the Arabian Night Cycle, which sets this yeah. Middle East specifically like Iraq, Iran.
0: Yeah, the first bit they were talking about the temple sounded almost like the um, Taj Mahal.
1: Oh, which I listened to an interesting thing on the other day. So did you know, do you know the origins of what the Taj, why the Taj Mahal was built? It was like a memorial to someone's dead wife, right? It was the first, so it's a, it's a Muslim uh, temple. It was during the Murgle Empire. I was listening to an episode of You're Dead to Me on the Murgle Empire. Oh, nice. um, with Sindhu V uh, as the comedian on it, who's really funny. I love her. I can hear rustling or something on your end. Oh, sorry. That's because I can't hear myself. I keep fiddling with post-its and not realising the mic's picking it up. Um, and yeah, so there's Emperor really 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 loved his wife and when she died he built this huge beautiful temple for her and he was also the architect of it like he was a very hands-on emperor and very into architecture mm. and he ended he obviously was in, buried there when he died but it was the first time a memorial temple had been descript, uh, constructed for a wife rather than for a man oh that's nice yeah that was a cool bit of history if that's if i'm remembering it right i will uh, link to the podcast episode in the show notes so everyone can test my memory but also they talk about the soak which means souk which is that souk is north african in origin but yeah bizarre. i was gonna say that's moroccan isn't it yeah but bizarre is persian in origin originally yeah yeah i think he's just mixed up
0: everything from north africa but, the middle east and uh west asia
1: so <laughs> yeah there are lots South of asia. clever rep- a lot of stuff does overlap historically and especially linguistically, though. Oh yeah, um, well, it's, that's
0: it. if you watch a time lapse of history and the borders around that area, it's very difficult to keep track of. So
1: it does fluctuate impressively. There's lots of clever references there, like you were talking about a uh, Crusades poem being a reference to the translation of the. I've forgotten again. The, uh,
0: the Rubaiyat
1: of Omar ah, So there are lots of very clever little references in this. Speaking of, I found a couple more. Shall we talk about little bits we liked?
0: Oh yes, let's.
1: Do let's. I really like the uh, Hashishim.
0: It's basically word for word, apart from them being actual stoners, what assassins are based on, right?
1: They were a fanatical Muslim sect in the mountains of Lebanon at the time of the Crusades. Uh, So yes, a bunch of violent thugs. But they did have a, they had a reputation for murdering opposing leaders after intoxicating themselves by eating hashish. Although there's very little actual as evidence for that. But that's where the word assassin came from, comes from. It does literally come from hashishim. So this isn't even really a parody of a thing. This is pretty much the thing.
0: Yeah, Assassin's Creed kind of takes a whole romanticised, twisted view of all those legends.
1: Um, Ooh, I haven't played Assassin's Creed in forever. But the next thing I had was the concept of nerd. mm yeah. Canerd. I'm really annoyed that like uh, there was a time where I didn't recognize why it was nerd and that it was drunk backwards. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you told me this a couple of months ago so don't worry about it. Okay, good. It's not just me then. <laughs>
0: yeah, I have um I've lots more to say on it I think when we get to uh, one of the guards books.
1: Yes, it gets a lot more attention there, but I just I like the idea of we talked about anti-noise versus silence last week mm-hmm. and this is anti sobriety anti-drunk anti-drunk yes this is coming through sobriety and out the other side which yeah. considering i was talking about how in the last few weeks i've come through anxiety and out the other side yeah
0: humans have some rose-tinted glasses on at all
1: times and
0: uh removing those is ever so terrible
1: yes let's not do that it's a silly yeah. thing mm.
0: lampwick jokes Rincewind brings them up while stuck in the pit with Nidal and trying to remain stuck in the pit with Nidale because it's nice and boring. Uh, and lamp wick jokes are the same as light bulb jokes, of course, in modern times. And as Rincewind didn't finish any, I took the liberty of doing it myself. <laughs> uh, how many alchemists does it take to change a lamp wick? I don't know, Francine. Just one, but you really don't want to light it. <laughs> <laughs> how many wizards does it take to change a lamp wick? Now, that's a very interesting question. We'll discuss it over cheese and brandy, perhaps see about forming a committee. Now, anyway, way, there's a good fellow.
1: <laughs>
0: those are all the ones I came up with. What a good use of my day. <laughs>
1: I think this ought to be a listener challenge. Please send us your best Lampwick jokes. Oh, my God, yes, please do. That sounds great fun. Yes, we'll feature them on the next episode. Um, oh, yeah, the storytelling ha- harem. Mm. This is also my homework from last week. Is it? That- Well, so, you know, last week I was trying to remember the framing story around Arabian Nights, the 1001 stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so the idea is that uh, Konina goes to the harem and it turns out all the seraph wants them to do is tell him stories.
0: Which, by the way, is my favorite setup and destruction of a double entendre ever because the Grand uh, Vizier says something like, uh, like, spectral she'll get is a sore throat. And I was like... Of course. Cool. All right. And we got to the thing and it was about storytelling. Ah, Yes.
1: <laughs> it made me very Not happy. Not a crude
0: sexual joke after all.
1: So I had the name Sheserad in my mind and I couldn't remember the story. So I was looking it up and realised it's quite a nice little... This is obviously what's being referred to in the idea of the seraph having a storytelling harem. Sure. And the, sto- the reason I know the story, and I have it here, I won't read out the whole thing, but I'll read out a little bit of it from... Uh, a Neil Gaiman short story collection Fragile Things called Inventing Aladdin so I'm just going to read a tiny bit of it Please. Do. in bed with him that night like every night her sister at their feet she ends her tale then waits her sister quickly takes her cue and says I cannot sleep another please Shehazerad takes one small nervous breath and she begins in far away Peking there lived a lazy youth with his mama his name Aladdin his papa was dead She tells them how a dark magician came, claiming to be his uncle with a plan. He took the boy out to a lonely place, gave him a ring he said would keep him safe, down to a cavern filled with precious stones. Bring me the lamp, and when Aladdin won't, in darkness he's abandoned and entombed. There now. Aladdin locked beneath the earth, she stops her husband hooked for one more night. Very good. Yeah, it's a slightly longer story, but the the story is, and this is the framing device for 1001 Nights, is that there is this emperor who finds out his wife has been unfaithful, so he has her killed, and then says he will only marry virgins and have them killed after he sleeps with them, so that he he never has to be cheated on, effectively. Sounds like a Hashtag problematic. Very problematic. So, uh, Shehezerad, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, so please feel free to uh, tweet me and correct me. Not you, Francine, obviously. Okay, good, right. (laughs) 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 dear little listeners on their dear little legs um is this incredibly well-read woman who has studied stories all her life Mm -hmm. and the emperor chooses to marry her so she brings her younger sister along and the first night she says well before we go to bed can i finish telling my sister a story so she finishes the story and then starts another one and gets halfway through and then says right that's enough for tonight and goes to bed and obviously then the emperor doesn't kill her because he wants to know what happens next so every oh. night she finishes a story and starts a new one so he doesn't kill her because he wants to know what happens next and after a thousand and one stories eventually he's in love with her so he decides not to decapitate her
0: smart but also
1: a thousand and one jesus yes and that's the that's the framing device around the thousand and one. i you know, i'd
0: be nights. like am i that unlikable takes you this long to fall in love with me well that's what i was
1: thinking because you're thinking a story per night that's like over That's about three years yeah, like that's a lot of effort. But, he is... but there's some good stories in there. Cool. The last little thing, uh-huh. is, uh huh, is the luggage faces off against a chimera, which is described in the book Sorcery. Uh, it have the legs of a mermaid, the hair of a tortoise, the teeth of a fowl, and the wings of a snake. Mm-hmm. Of course, I only I have only my word for it. The beast having the breath of a furnace and the temperament of a rubber balloon in a hurricane. <laughs> Out of curiosity, I pulled out an important Pratchettesque reference book for oh, its nice. phrase and fable. Very good. Which you gave me. Good. So Chimera has a very small entry. Uh, a fabulous monster in Greek mythology. According to Homer, it has a lion's head, a goat's body, and a dragon's tail. It was born in Lycia and slain by Bellerophon, hence the use of the name in English for an illusory fancy, a wild incongruous scheme. Mm-hmm. I like so, it. I thought we'd uh, double-check the actual Chimera that didn't uh, tragically have the hair of a tortoise. (laughs) Although it might have done. A homo just may not have mentioned it. Useless bastard. Uh, Where am I? Yeah, so onto the bigger stuff. Mm. Uh, They, Carding and Spelter, design a new watch Chancellor's hat.
0: Yes. They copy
1: the old one. They copy the old one and they've covered it in all sorts of ridiculous things and pieces they couldn't use magic to make it uh, spelter sewed every sequin on by hand and i think it's interesting a that spelter made the hat considering he's the one who goes into doubts by the end of it
0: yeah he's the one being
1: practical about stuff isn't he but also he's sort of pushed into it by carding who uh is sort of insisting well this is the arch hat you wouldn't make a forgery would you yeah. <laughs> but the idea of, um, they, they joke, you know, it's the fundamental basis of wizardry, cogitum ergo hatto, uh-huh. which we won't look at too deeply as an actual bit of Latin to translate.
0: I love practice Latin.
1: <laughs> I think, <laughs> yes. therefore,
0: I am a hat.
1: Uh, what's the one that's always on watch, but fabricated diem funk? As in, make my day.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good.
1: But I thought the hat thing was kind of interesting as this bigger meta thing of, well, it is the thing because we are saying it's the thing. So yeah. the talking Arch-Chancellor hat still exists and is possessing a brim, but they are insisting, well, no, we have said this is the hat. We have put all the sequins on it. Therefore, this is the Arch-Chancellor's hat. That's just a weird talking hat.
0: Yeah, if the point of it is just to be the figure head, then it doesn't matter yes. what it is. Yeah, bigger Except hat. in this point, unfortunately, the real one is possessed by 200 dead arch chancellors happens to the best of us actually i've never been possessed by 200 dead arch chancellors oh have you not it makes for a very interesting friday night rich simplicity that's rich I, simplicity i, for I write that one down
1: that's me are we back in the uh, creosate's garden
0: yeah yeah it's on page 125 and like the pages following on from that creosate's very uh, finely designed random wilderness um
1: oh yeah i love this idea
0: yeah it reminds me of a couple of things i mean first of all i think we've discussed it before the kind of arseholy wealthy minimalist thing uh, um yeah you know the kind of aesthetic aestheticism uh movement which a lot
1: like coins decorating choices of lots of white and marble and
0: quite so yeah um the kind of hippie dippy version of that being the outdoors uh, but it also kind of reminds me of Capability Brown, although, of course, he did it much better. The, the designed to look undesigned yes. style of landscaping, which was pretty you know, ground, groundbreaking. Ah, accidental puns all over the place today. Oh, Francine. Oh, I know, I know. I'm a card. Uh, yeah, I think it is a, quite a nice, harmless example of something that occasionally gets my goat, but He's he's done it very well because he's just kind of ignorant of how much of a banker he is, and therefore he's endearing. <laughs> yeah, no, I have quite a uh, quite a soft spot for Creosote. He's
1: so pleasant in his horrendousness. <laughs> they spent simply ages getting the rills sufficiently sinuous. Do you have a meta for me? I do have several metas <laughs> for you, <laughs> darling. <laughs> Sorry, did you just get possessed by a comedy?
0: <laughs> oh, what's wrong with me? Uh, where am I going? Page one to eight. Oh, just over. Yeah, it's I spent a long time, time on this page. very short section, actually. There's just a lot of cool references, and I enjoyed it. Um, so, oh, yeah, yeah, it was some Korea runner hit on Kanina with bad poetry, basically saying, Has ever, anyone ever told you your neck is as a tower of ivory? And then later on in the book, saying, your hair is like, a, is like a flock of goats that graze upon the side of Mount Gebra. Your breasts are like, like, are like the jeweled melons in the fabled gardens of dawn, etc. Um, and that is a, a kind of parody of the Song of Solomon for one and going on from that, which is where Solomon's admiring his bride. As a a good Catholic, of course, you'll know it by heart, but I'll read it for people who don't. Uh, (laughs) I haven't memorised a lot of Old Testament. How beautiful you are, my darling, how very beautiful. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats streaming down Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn sheep. Coming up from the washing, each has its twin, and not one of them is lost. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon, and your mouth is lovely. Your ve- brow behind your veil is like a slice of pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built with rows of stones. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them warriors. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, grazing among the lilies. This is a very good example of a blazon, which is a poem full of ridiculous similes, usually about somebody's appearance like this. A shape in a parody of one. I can't remember where it was, but I'm sure you'd probably be familiar with that.
1: Is that the um, my mistress' charms one? They yeah. her breasts had something about they her breasts had done.
0: Where is it? If snow be white, why then her breasts are done. This yeah, are done. there it yeah. is. Yeah, um, but that was probably a parody of something else entirely, which is even worse than the Bible one, possibly, which was Thomas Watson's uh, uh hecatompathia, hecatompathia, fifteen eighty two. Who knows how it was pronounced? Nobody. Uh, but I got uh, this from uh, The Elements of Eloquence again. Uh, oh, excellent. Throwback to early episodes here. Her breast transparent is like crystal rock. Wow. Her fingers long, fit for Apollo's lute. Her slipper, such as moma, dare not mock. Her virtues all so great as make me mute. I think it is a sonnet. It ends in a cu- couple of cups of set. Yes, it is. And I am a bit contaminator. Marvellous. It was very popular in the Saint 50s. Ah. Uh, yeah, okay. Ah, very good. Anyway, it's terrible and I love it.
1: I'm assigning myself the homework of writing a really, really bad... Uh, Blazon.
0: Blazon.
1: B-L-A-Z-O-N. And I'll do it too, that sounds fun, yeah. Cool. Uh, I don't want to enforce homework upon you, but if you write one, I encourage this. Speaking of poetry, let's talk about why... Uh, our lovely creosote, who we haven't actually mentioned as well, that there is another famous fictional creosote, which is Mr. Creosote from the end of Monty Python's Meaning of Life.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. The Waffle
1: scene. Anyway, inspiration particles. Mm. Oh, yeah. This is one of my favourite little Pratchetty concepts because it will come up again. But this is why creosote is terrible at poetry because he is not particularly receptive to um, particles of inspiration which Mm. sleep through the universe all the time and quite often hit the wrong targets. Yes. So we have uh, the weird dream about a lead donut on a mile-high gantry in the right mind, would have been the catalyst for the invention of a repressed gravitational electricity generation. Uh, But unfortunately, it was had by a small and bewildered duck
0: Doesn't it make you worry that some of the weird, surreal dreams we have should have been in the heads of scientists who would have done something useful with them? As we are, of course, the mental equivalents of uh, small bewildered ducks. Speak for yourself. Right.
1: I'm a large, bewildered duck. So unfortunately, Creosote receives the poetic inspiration particles, but has the poetic ability of a hyena.
0: It's quite interesting in itself, isn't it? The the idea that uh, inspiration is not...
1: What you need to be a good poet because of course it's
0: quite right you can have all the inspiration in the world but if you don't know how to make words sound pleasing you are just going to sound like a tit
1: yep which explains a lot of the uh late 16th century (laughs) 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 now i'm
0: gonna skip ahead slightly here actually because it kind of fits in with my what was going to be the last thing um which is talent is not what you are there we go a small receptor area opened in his mind at the same time as an inspiration particle screamed down
1: um this is the very important philosophical idea that was nearly had by a nearby brick exactly Um, (laughs) talent just defines what you do he said it doesn't define what you are
0: deep down i mean when you know what you are you can do anything um which I thought was a nice bit of philosophy. And I was wondering if there was anything you feel you are, spiritually, in the same way that Rincewind is definitely a wizard, but that you are shit at and so you don't
1: actually do. Oh, I don't know about shit at. I wouldn't or- want to admit it being shit at anything. I'm not. <laughs> I'm really, really talented in every area I get involved right. in.
0: Not uh, something you don't have a natural proclivity towards.
1: Oh, I don't know. Dancing, I'd say.
0: Ah, yeah, I can see that. I can see you in another life as like a champion salsa dancer or tango. Exactly.
1: I very much enjoy dancing. I am not good at dancing and I often trip over my own feet and sometimes my elbows. Ah, cool.
0: Yeah, see so mine's explorer slash adventurer, like, you know, doing intrepid journeys through jungles and everything which i love the idea of and it's so romantic and i'll, I'll read the robin hobb books of Fitz adventures i'll be like i'm gonna go on an adventure and they're like oh but i really hate being outdoors in the bad weather and yeah really quite having like a shower what i want on and sitting down is good so never mind but you know in spirit in spirit i'm a i'm an intrepid explorer type
1: oh. well that's where books come in handy
0: Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Now we'll go backwards, circling back, Joanna.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to get depressing for a moment, but we'll try and end on something a bit cheerier. But okay. Cool. Uh, when the tower arrives, as such, in Alkali, the wizards come out and they kill all of these guards, and Rincewind and Nigel witness it. Yeah. And the wizards have kind of lost all respect for human life as significant. Mm. And kill these people without thinking about it. And the book addresses later on that um, wizards don't usually kill people because they seldom notice them and it wasn't considered sporting and who would all do all the cooking and growing food and things. Um, and in this section, the tower appears and the wizards just sort of effectively snap their fingers and everyone's dead in a very horrible way. And it's been appalling for Rinceman and Nigel to watch. Yeah. Um, and there's a line... It was the way they looked at them as if it didn't matter, said Nigel, shaking his head. That was the worst bit. Yes. Rincewind dropped the single syllable heavily in front of Nigel's train of thought like a tree trunk. Very good. It's just in a section that's so action-packed and so much happens, you know, we get to Alkali, we meet Kriya, so Kanina gets taken to a harem, we meet a bream, a bream gets possessed by the hat, Rincewind gets thrown in the snake pit, meets Nigel, gets out, rescues Kanina from the harem, wizards turn up, like, a lot happens in, what, 90 pages? Yeah. And it takes time in that to go, oh, yes, and also there is deep horror here and I've just traumatised two of the characters. Yeah. I,
0: I can find a slight bright spot in the horror in that it kind of shows Rincewind in a good light because I feel like he's using his prior experience of having dealt with horror to stop Nigel from fully considering ill, I guess yes, yes. Don't think about th- it. Stop. Yeah, and, like a slight protective instinct that one does but not also, need to extrapolate on because it, it'll
1: probably never come back. But <laughs> you can quite often get, especially in fantasy books, where like large and like fantasy films, especially large chunks of people will get killed off, and it's sort of just cannon fodder for the plot, and it's not really addressed. Yeah. So in acknowledging that the wizards have lost some of their ability to respect human life the book maintains its respect for human life by being like horrified by it and showing redswind and nigel horrified by it yeah which i thought made it a really interesting bit of writing and
0: that did kind of seem to super traumatize
1: redswood it does but it's also it shows how strange what's happening to the wizards who are on the side of sorcery is Yeah, because he said something like, oh, these are the faces
0: I've seen peering amiably through the gardens or something like that. Um, Yeah, these
1: are the blokes who were wandering around having a smoke in their slippers with a pipe and now they are just killing ordinary people for no real reason.
0: And it makes you wonder whether they are kind of like literally their mind is altered, they are high on this stuff, or whether it's kind of give a normal, amiable person a slice of this kind of power and that's what will happen. Like, I wonder what the the driving point is there behind
1: the change. Which reminded me of something really interesting I was reading last night, which was about Macbeth. Um, They were talking about different stagings of it and how one of the things the play itself struggles with is what to do with Lady Macbeth once Macbeth has power Mm. because she's the one driving him to get there and then the play sort of gets rid of her once it's done with that because there's not much else to do with her. But it was also talking about... um, the comedy that can be found in the play, which is that it's really just about the pursuit of power and this pursuit of power is inherently ridiculous. Like it's not a real thing. And it's a very, you know, the emperor has no clothes, but for the sake of the play, we have to consider it does because that's his entire motivation is just power for power's sake. And it's the same with these wizards. Like they're motivated by gaining this power and then wanting to maintain it. But there's no thought about what they'd actually do with it.
0: No, I suppose it makes slightly more sense than when you talk about political power because this kind of power does have
1: like a physical oh, feel, yeah, I mean, there is feel this physical good about it. Yeah, the magic. Um, and yes, the last thing I wanted to talk about in this section uh, this isn't too purple post titty, but it probably is a little bit around the ears. <laughs> post titty. <laughs> post
0: titty, is that like six wave feminism? <laughs>
1: Yes, we're in post-breast feminism now. <laughs> I think that's just gone full circle, and we start burning the bras again.
0: Okay, cool, cool, cool.
1: Cool. Uh, after we finish recording, though. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I'm not meant to go outside, and I don't have a garden, so like,
0: maybe underneath the extractor hood.
1: Oh yeah, that's I can do it on the hob. Just a small bra, only boner bralette. <laughs> I don't have small bras. <laughs> there are no small bras, only small people all oh, right we're gonna cut all discussion of my tits out of the podcast noted <laughs> M- most discussion of my tits okay we can keep a little bit in.
0: anyway please tell us about the last point
1: god sorry Ni- again nigel and conina meet and fall in love Maybe at first
0: sight it's very bird twittery.
1: It is very uh, a distant orchestra was playing, bluebirds were tweeting, little pink clouds were barreling through the sky, and all the other things that happens at times like this.
0: I'm imagining that scene out of the Bambi, the Disney Disney movie. Like
1: Twitter pated. Yes. I'm thinking very slow-mo slow-mo, and I can hear the orchestra swelling and it goes da la la
0: Ah, like Kanina's hair is flapping in <laughs> the wind somehow, even though they're indoors and Nigel's acne is blurred slightly and
1: (laughs) yes everything is very soft focus and the camera Mm. is spinning around the two of them Uh, and I thought it would be a nice little silly thing that happens to end on Uh, it goes back to that quote from the Tansy Rainer Roberts book I was talking about the last episode where Kanina has hilariously failed to fall in love with Rincewind in place of Nigel the young barbarian would-be hero
0: but also like
1: Sexy self. Also, I kind of hate it as a character thing. for Kanina, because... She, wh- why? Why is she into Nigel? I don't know. It's not like she's unworldly well, and has never okay. met a man before. Well, no, hold on.
0: Because why wouldn't she be, in a way, like, in the She's, so, not, she's like, clearly not super into aesthetics, is my thing. Like, she clearly doesn't value aesthetics very much. No, but this, is at,
1: this is love at first sight. This is someone mm. whose father is the greatest barbarian hero of all time, who is pretty much existing as a quite successful barbarian hero herself, although she doesn't like that. Looking at a guy with woolly underwear under his leather hold all slash cloth it.
0: Uh, At at risk of being terribly heteronormative, uh, Nigel is the male equivalent of the Vestal Virgin. How? Like, helpless and skinny and not very many clothes on. Do you think she's into that? Well, the point is, that's the hereditary
1: thing. I suppose, yeah. I mean, I think they should have just made her gay. Well, you think that about
0: everybody. Yeah, alright, I do.
1: Like- <laughs> I think you're giving it too much credit. I think she's fallen in love with him for the sake of plot and it being... I know, I mean,
0: I was making a joke. Right. I don't think that's what Pradge
1: actually did. I know.
0: It's just... A- it's funny. They did it cause it's funny.
1: I know, but I don't find it funny. I find it irritating. I know. If it was played off more like more falling in love with P- Princess Kelly at first sight and then realising actually... He- Isabel was really the woman for him and they sort of accidentally fell in love with each other but that's without me.
0: more annoying and trophy to me like if you're gonna have an annoying trope i say just fucking go for it
1: but it's also the fact that you have this extraordinarily competent woman who's just fought off a bunch of guards notices a guy and then suddenly forgets that they're in the middle of a collapsing palace and it's just like well let her if you're going to write this Weird action girl trope where she's also super hot. Let her remain competent even with a man she is attracted to around. But she does. Well, she forgets for a while that they're stood in a collapsing palace and Rincewind has to snap her out of it as the sensible not in love with anyone at that particular moment. type I know, but that's the joke. I know. Like, you're doing the joyless, powerful post it thing about her Joe. It's funny. I know I am. Just a funny joke. What I'm here for. <laughs> I'm here to joyless, powerful post it. I'm just saying, if you're going to write this tropey character whose personality is breast, you have, you have and to stick to the nice, trope you don't like. Otherwise, you'll get even more angry. Is what you're saying? I'm saying this trope her you're angry
0: is, about has to be stuck to to the letter. Otherwise, you'll complain about that. Let
1: her remain competent. Give her the one thing that makes her not crap, which is that she is very good at things, and let her keep that. Don't let her suddenly lose all competence in the face of a man who resembles a toast rack.
0: I think you were determined to hate everything Kanina did from the start and have kept that up admirably, so well done. No, I've never really hard to like Kanina. <laughs> I don't I'm think into... you did.
1: <laughs> I think that's a straight lie. <laughs> you haven't said a positive thing about her. I said I'm into women with weapons and that on paper she's very much my type.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's just sexualizing her further. Yeah, but... I can outwoke you, come on. <laughs> it's not a contest.
1: <laughs> it is now. <laughs> All right, Kevin um, come from more than equal rights. Also, so I think you just body
0: shamed Nigel by calling my toast right. So.
1: All right, he's described as... And you're kink-shaming like
0: Kanina by like...
1: <laughs> All right, fine. You've outwoked me. <laughs>
0: ha! Victory! <Gosh. laughs> anyway, I'm just being a dick because, yeah, I know, like, it's there's it, a continuation of the trope, but it's silly. It's just a silly bit in as you say a depressing situation
1: I know and it was always gonna happen and it is funny I'm not saying it's not funny I'm saying I wish Konina could have remained competent in the face of falling in love and part part of it is we've just come from two very good Discworld books that have quite well written women in them so to come to a book where literally the only woman is this which is encompassing it a lot is dumped on Kanina's shoulders as far as doing a lot of hard work as a tropey female character.
0: So okay so do you reckon it would have been good if this whole like moment in love was happening um and yet without looking while doing the whole in love thing she just kind of reached out with a comb and killed somebody to the side? Yeah. So that would have been quite cool, change yeah. like that. All right yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah no I get that. I got it, but also
1: have Nigel do something that makes her attracted to him, rather than her just looking at the woolly underwear toast truck guy and going, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, that's it." That's it. Um, yeah, I have one more thing, don't I? I? Have my obscure reference. You do have an well, if you have an obscure reference, finial for us, Francine. Hey. Get your finial out for the lads. Hey, oh hello, finial. I miss it. Uh, yeah. So going
0: back to the nerd thing, actually, um, as in the sobriety, not Nigel, uh, <laughs> it comes with a shot of Orac to counteract the kind of anti-drunk that the coffee gives you. Um, and although I can't find any round world equivalent of Orac itself, like the, um, the word doesn't seem to be derived from anything, uh, the idea of serving coffee with uh, liquor to counteract the effects does seem to be um, at least an Italian thing. Uh, they have uh, what's called an ammazza cafe, which literally means uh, coffee killer. And so you'd have a coffee with a shot of, say, uzo, but not ouzo in Italy, grappa, um, traditionally, to and the idea is the stimulant would uh, counteract the sedative and vice versa. Oh, brilliant! I mean, that's a thing. Excellent. What you don't want to do is have twenty shots of grappa and try and fight a basilisk. Luggage only.
1: (sighs) Well, that ruins my. Joanna.
0: (laughs) Oh, grappa! I remember grappa.
1: Oh, I've tried. I. I don't remember anything after drinking grappa. Ditto Uzo. I did not get on
0: with any Mediterranean spirits, really.
1: No, no one needs Mediterranean spirits in their life. Right, I think that is that is everything for today. Cool. So, next week is our final part of the discussion. So, for us, part two ended on page 180 with Konina saying, You mean heights, and don't stop being silly. I know what I mean. It's the grounds that kill you. <laughs> and we're going from there, funnily enough, to the end
0: oh. of the book.
1: So how much have we
0: got left here? We've got a little under 100 pages. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, that split very neatly in three, really, didn't it? Well done, Joe. Yeah. 90 pages. Dear listener, you can follow us on Twitter at Makey Fret Pod, on Instagram at The Tree make Mickey Fret, on Facebook at The Tree make you Fret. You can email us your thoughts, castle, snacks, and albatrosses at The Tree Show Mickey Fret Pod at gmail.com.
0: Do we ever get emails?
1: Not really. Oh, okay. Email us, listeners. Please send us your best Lampwick jokes on any of those and we'll read out the best on the podcast next week, hopefully. Uh, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast because it does help other people find us. Obviously, tell all of your friends via Albatross that we exist. Don't go and tell them in person because that's no. very dangerous right now. And until next time, dear listener, don't let us detain you. promise to be less woke in the next episode (laughs) i'm just gonna perv on kenina instead yeah
0: perfect yeah go go completely the other way and be like a dickhead bloke from the pub
1: (laughs) (laughs) god i miss i miss the pub so much i even miss the dickhead blokes